Howdy, folks. Welcome to Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb. I am the Redneck, and you bet I've gone green, and I'm trying to convince you to do it, too. And as I always do in this program, I want to remind you that for me, when I say go green, I mean that on multiple levels. The first one is deep ecology, not just conservationism, but actually an understanding that all life is interconnected. Not just human beings that we're all sisters and brothers and siblings, which we are, uh, but deeper still that life itself is an interconnected web. And whatever we do to that web of life, we ultimately do to ourselves. So whether you approach that from a uh, eco-feminist, a deep spiritual perspective, or whether you approach that from a hard science uh, materialist perspective, or like me, you say they both are valid ways of looking at the world and there's much to learn from them. I'll tell you this notion of deep ecology and interconnectedness and the concept of that being green, I'm leaning into that and encouraging you to do it. I'm also unapologetically a member of the Green Party. And as I often have told people, you know, I worked on Jesse Jackson's campaigns in 84 and 88, worked on Jerry Brown's campaigns in 92. I learned a lot through those uh, campaigns. One of the things I learned is that the Democratic Party is where progressive movements goes to die because all the energy, enthusiasm and excitement that we generate ultimately gets quashed by the corporatists and the neoliberals who actually run those parties. Right. So. It doesn't have to be Green Party, but I'll tell you this, if you're going to fool with electoral politics, you have to have clarity uh, on the need to have political and financial independence from the ruling class. And that's why I am so excited about the guest today on Redneck Gone Green. We're going to be talking to Kamal Franklin. Now, Kamal Franklin is the founder of a group in Atlanta called Community Movement Builders. He has spent over 30 years of his life as a community organizer but a particular type of community organizer, because for over almost 20 years, uh, 20 of those uh, 30 years, he was a leading member of a national organization called the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement Project. Uh, and this was a group of, and I'm going to be clear, serious revolutionaries talking about restructuring this entire society. So Kamau has, uh, he's, a, he's a lawyer by training. He's been a movement lawyer. He's, he's done cop watch programs. He's run and taught at liberation and freedom schools. He's done electoral and policy campaigns. Uh, and I can also say uh, with, with, uh, with humility, uh, I consider him a personal friend uh, in many respects, uh, uh, a mentor. Uh, because of the work that he does. So with that, I'm going to bring in Kamal Franklin. Uh, Kamal, welcome to Redneck Gone Green. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. I forgot about the Green Party. At some point, we need to have a larger discussion about Cornell West. Oh, uh, my goodness. Cornell yes. has been a guest on our program. I'm also a co-founder of an online um, news channel called Black Power Media. And we've had Cornell on several times. And as you know, he just left the Green Party. So that would be a great discussion to have in the future about Cornell and his stance and stuff. No, let's do that. I mean, uh, I'll be honest, like I do want to talk about Stop Cop City. I'm my heart is still hurting that that Cornell West has uh, is not seeking the Green Party's nomination. But that's a topic for another conversation. I, I'm going to take you up on it, though, uh, and we're going to follow up because I do want to make sure that we talk about uh, uh, Cop City, 
and and the community movement builders role in what is happening so uh rather than me talk about it i did uh put a writing out i want to remind folks you have to like subscribe share this whether you're watching on youtube or facebook or listening to the podcast later or reading it on substack right but like comment and subscribe so that we can continue uh to to build the momentum for what we're doing so folks who may not have read about stop cop city I'm going to invite you, Kamal, start at the beginning. What the hell is Cop City and why we want to stop it? Well, Cop City is a militarized training ground that the Atlanta police, through the Atlanta Police Foundation, private corporations in the city of Atlanta are attempting to build, which is uh, going to be over 300 acres, which is going to be rented to the Atlanta Police Foundation, 300 acres of forest, which was prior to the start of Cop City, supposed to be given over or used for an adjacent working class black community. The goal and promise was to have this forest, which we've dubbed the Walani Forest, um, being the name of the original indigenous, well, a language of the original indigenous tribe that lived there, that was forced off of their land. Um, uh, that land, that forest was promised to be used for hiking trails, for park space, um, something that could be of value to the larger community. When they decided after the 2020 uprisings to build Cop City, that idea was completely swept off the map. And instead, they decided to lease for $10 a year for the next 30 years uh, this land to the Atlanta Police Foundation to train, as they say, uh, a paramilitary training ground, a military militarized training ground, um, one in which they were trained in urban warfare, one in which they will train in crowd control. This is a sprawling facility that not only were Atlanta cops, uh, Atlanta cops will use, but 46% of the policing forces to be trained there will be from outside of Atlanta, so from around the country. And in addition to that, they already do international training, the Atlanta police do, with the Israeli Defense, uh, uh, defense Force. So Basically, the IDF will be importing the same tactics and strategies that it is using to destroy Palestinians or destroy the, the land and, and kill the people of Palestine. Those kind of tactics will be further imported here to the United States um, and used against our community. So we were opposed against this since the very beginning, and we've been running a campaign to stop it for the last two and a half years, not only for the environmental concern of tearing down 300 acres, but of course, again, the over-policing, the continued over-policing of the larger black community and the targeting of movements, which have raised up, risen up over the last few years to oppose police violence in those communities. Now, Kamal, uh, again, you and I are friends and we're comrades. Uh, we work together. I remember when you first put this on the radar uh, for some of us at a strategy session, uh, it was two and a half years ago, I, I reckon. And at the time, I, I, I recall you said, that if this is built, that it would be the largest such facility anywhere uh, in the country. Am I remembering that correctly? You are remembering that correctly, but in the two and a half years that has transpired, other cities and other counties have taken up this idea of creating sprawling, basically military bases for police all across the country. So now this will no longer be the largest one planned there are similar uh, uh, police training centers planned in Tennessee, in California, in uh, Memphis, um, uh, uh, in New York. There are these kind of training centers that are being planned all across the country as a new way, again, to create 
militarized policing at another level. And these are like the military bases, basically, for the police across the country. The fact that all of these police agencies are going to begin training together means that they are trying to come up with common and or national tactics and strategies, again, to target movements and to target individual communities. And uh, I'm really glad. So that's chilling, right? Like uh, I, I am I am reminded of uh, the great political philosopher Lily Tomlin, who once said, no matter how cynical I get, it's hard to keep up with these bastards, right? Like, uh, and because when you're describing that, like, of course that is the case. Of course they are going to be uh, spreading these all across uh, Turtle Island, right? Because this is, and I want to be clear to folks, as horrific as this is in Atlanta, this is the ruling class's plan for us right? If we do not go along with what it is that they are doing with their neoliberal uh, corporatized society, uh, and frankly, as fascism rises, if we don't knuckle down and bow down, uh, they've got a plan for us. So to me, Kamau, uh, part of the reason that I have leaned so hard into wanting to stop Cop City and do what I can to support it is this is really important that we win this, right? Like, uh, again, I don't mean to, to, to overemphasize it, but I really do think that this, this struggle is a struggle for the movement, not just for the city of Atlanta. No, I think you're exact. Atlanta has become a prototype for putting forth these militarized police training centers and militarized police operations. Atlanta is the most surveilled city in the country and is the fifth most surveilled city in the world outside of five cities in China. The people who control and who started that surveillance system has been the Atlanta Police Foundation. They've paid for it. They've connected it to the Atlanta police system itself. They have become another arm, a private arm of the police. The Atlanta Police Foundation, although Atlanta is no more than the 20th biggest police uh, policing agency in the country, the Atlanta Police Foundation is the second biggest foundation in the country. So the Atlanta Police Foundation has now dabbled in real estate, where it's buying homes for cops. It has a youth center called the Promise Centers. It has the surveillance techniques, and it is now building Cop City. This is their strategy for interconnecting all of the different ways in which policing is done and having a system in which to keep resources flowing. Remember, the Atlanta Police Foundation, the, well, the police foundations in general have been around for years, for decades, but they were a small part of the financing for larger police, metropolitan police departments. It wasn't until after Mike Brown was killed uh, in Ferguson and the conversation began to be, let's talk about abolition. Let's talk about defunding. Let's talk about finding alternatives to public safety. The mere fact that people started discussing these things, not that they were ever implemented, but the discussion of these things, as you say, sent the ruling class into looking at additional strategies to make sure the police would always be funded. So if some city had the, uh, the audacity to lower the funding of their local police department, you had these privatized police foundations who were getting millions of dollars from corporations who could step in and not only fill that gap, but widen the gap. And in our case, really quickly, the the uh, what's happened is not only have the cities across the, across the country done the opposite of defunded, but funded even more with Joe Biden leading a call for additional federal funding. 
but they've also now have this slew of private resources from major Fortune 500 corporations, which are now putting money into these private foundations, which are going directly to the police. And Dave Petrovich, who is a, a frequent commenter uh, here on Redneck Gone Green, has lifted up a group called McKinsey and Company. And I'll be honest, I'm ignorant of it. D uh, do you know anything about this group? Uh, Petrovich says promoted by McKinsey and Company. I'm not sure about McKinsey and Company, but I know all of the biggest five, Fortune 500 companies have donated at the very least to the Atlanta Police Foundation. And I'm assuming that trend is true across the country. We have Delta Airlines, we have Waffle House, uh, we have Chick-fil-A, we have different banks, um, all major contributors to Cop City. The same corporations, we have Coca-Cola in Atlanta, the same corporations who prior to 2020 were talking about Black Lives Matter and doing their commercials about Black Lives Matter. As soon as the opportunity came around to fund these police foundations, they gave all they gave literally millions of dollars. And to do exactly what you mentioned earlier, the point of it all is, is that if we are good consumers, if we're going to our low paying jobs and doing that work and going home and then watching TV and buying products, they are fine with us. The moment we start making demands on how public resources um, should be spent, the making demands on private companies for fair treatment, uh, for changing the systems in which even work the workforce um, um, uh, is controlled in terms of who controls the private resources or the means of production, these companies go into overtime to make sure that they keep the, the, the levers of control and power in their hands and that they have the, an on the ground public policing agency, militarized police agency, which can keep us all in control. Folks, you're listening and or watching Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Kamau Franklin. Kamau is the founder of Community Movement Builders in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Community Movement Builders has been one of the principal local community organizations building a very broad coalition of folks and forces in opposition to Cop City in Atlanta, uh, which will be uh, basically a domestic militarized camp, uh, literally a military installation within Atlanta. Come out. I want to make sure, cause I know, I know you got kids, right? It's Halloween. So you got to get them out trick or treat. And I want to get, you know, I don't want to get in, uh, in trouble with Eggett, uh, or with, with, with your kids either. Right. So I want to make sure to, uh, to give you time to tell us what the heck is going on now with the, the ballot initiative and, and explain to folks, because I remember the very, I thought, incredibly smart and creative move that y'all made. So tell folks about what the ballot initiative initiative y'all are doing and uh, what what stage it's at. Well, uh, right after in June, when the city council of Atlanta decided to give upwards of $67 million to the Atlanta Police Foundation, $30 million was a direct upfront payment to them to help build Cop City. And then there was a, a sneaky addition to the lease agreement, which a buyback provision. So basically they're, again, the Atlanta Police Foundation is paying $10 a year to rent out over 300 acres of land. The Atlanta uh, uh, City Council has now given the Atlanta Police Foundation approximately $1.3 million each year to buy back a lease that it, they're only paying $10 for. 
So they are basically putting in their coffers $67 million of public funding. The moment they did that, they thought this issue would die out because now they have their permits and those resources have been given. The movement itself came up with an additional strategy, a mass strategy to say that, look, here in Atlanta, we don't use referendums. It's never been used by the local, by the larger community. We had some examples of in other places outside of Atlanta. And so basically the referendum is that we had to collect a certain amount of signatures, 57,000 signatures within 60 days uh, in order to get a ballot initiative to have the people vote on whether or not they want Cop City to happen. We went out and collected over 112,000 signatures during the time that we were given. Atlanta is doing everything that it can to stop from putting this on the ballot. It is going to court. It has challenged our right to do to use this provision to stop the lease. They have refused to begin the verification process. And so now we're in this limbo where we've given in all of these signatures, but nothing is being verified in terms of uh, uh, making sure that the folks who signed the petition qualify to sign a petition. Atlanta has gone again and said that even before they start this verification process, the system that they're using is one that's called exact match and signature match. Both of those are things that the Democratic Party of Georgia sued the Republican Party for, to stop them from using exact match and signature match when Stacey Abrams ran for governor a few years ago. So the very same thing that they sued the Republicans for trying to do to them, they're now trying to use against us before they even begin the ballot initiative in terms of validating those signatures. So we are at a basically a standstill point where we're trying to put pressure on the city council, on the clerk's office who's responsible for counting these signatures or verifying these signatures. And to be clear, the city council, even without the validation process, can go ahead according to the constitution and the city charter and make this an amendment to put on the ballot for people to decide. But they've so gone against that. Because this, is, yeah. this is a very important part for our viewers and listeners to understand, right? So, uh, and uh, also a hat tip to, to you and the thousands of uh, engaged citizens who collected those signatures, right? 112,000 signatures in the basically two months that y'all did as a community organizer who's run initiatives like this. That is a broad and deep movement. Like that don't just happen, right? So you've clearly animated a large section of folks, right? So, so you know, kudos to that. But I want to be clear that that the city, uh, the city council, could simply say this is such a controversial issue that we're simply going to put this before the voters to allow democracy to take place, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a, absolutely within their purview. They have exactly. the legal authority to do that. This is a political decision that they are making not to put it on the ballot, but even, more, even worse for me is they are fighting to prevent the citizens of Atlanta from being able to weigh on. And have I got this right? You've got it exactly right. They've done everything in their power knowing that this this has had since its very inception has been a controversial initiative that has been met with mass resistance. The largest amount of people ever to come out for public comment have done it twice on this issue. Literally a thousand or so people showing up at City Hall, over 300 people testifying. Again, 
on two separate occasions in person. And on a third occasion at the very beginning of this process, when we were in the COVID epidemic, people called in and that was the second biggest ever um, attempt to, to, to have a, 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 uh, a second biggest attempt for folks to call in and stop something from taking place. All of the responses of people who've done call-ins, who voiced their opinions, have been overwhelmingly against Cop City. In fact, the last two in-person meetings have been well over 99%, 99% of the folks. In one city council meeting, it was 100%. In the second one, it was 99%. Have all said they did not want this done. What did the city council do? They went ahead and passed ballot. They went ahead and passed their own resolutions, their own ordinances to forward this. And like you said, they refused to let the people decide for themselves whether or not this controversial measure should be built or not. So to me, uh, Kamal, what we've got here is a need to ensure that we fight at the uh, in the courts to make sure that, uh, that, that basically the city of Atlanta has to follow the law, right, as it relates to how the process of initiative works. Then we've got to make sure to win that uh, uh, in November, which I reckon that that's whenever it's going to end up being on the ballot for y'all. Yes? No, at this stage, the earliest it could possibly be on the ballot is going to be in March. Oh, in March. Because they've delayed because of no, their- I, I mean, oh, so, so the, you think that you're going to be, uh, be on in March and not the November 2024 uh, election? Originally, we're going to be on November 2023. That was the plan of attack, was November 23. Okay. But because the city council delaying and, and stopping and not validating, and again, the clerk's office and the mayor's office, because of their delay measures, at this stage, the earliest we can get on the ballot would be in March, not November. And that Got was done on purpose so that they can, that the city and the Atlanta Police Foundation can continue to build on the site. They've already clear cut well over 85 acres of trees on that site. And they've already started laying pipe and doing other assessments to start the building. They're trying to push the facts on the ground to put them in a position to say, look, this thing is almost already built. You can't possibly, even if they, you thought this was a, a measure which had a degree of legality to let it be on the on the as a ballot initiative, you now can't possibly let it on because so much investment has gone in. This is what's in the city's trick bag. And I should mention at the same time, we as the county and the state at the bequest of the city um, are prosecuting well over 60 organizers and activists on domestic terrorism charges and on racketeering influencing charges. And and this, these are RICO. And again, as, as lawyers, I want you to break down for our viewers and listeners just how outrageous and audacious this is. Uh, tell us what RICO is normally used for and why it's so obscene uh, to be using it uh, for people exercising uh, their constitutionally protected civil rights. Well, RICO's brief history is when it's associated against so-called organized crime, uh, uh, the mafia where the attempt is to go after a whole gang of people uh, by charging one person in the gang with the same potential crimes that another person is responsible for just by being associated with that, with that organization or group. And so if one person is charged with a murder, the person who was, uh, um, just happened to be in the store that day or who was talking to the gang member and got swept up then they can also be charged with that murder. So it's a sweeping indict, a sweeping opportunity for uh, uh, prosecutors 
to indict people at, in, in a large way to go after uh, groups of organized individuals. This and law again, is, yes, go ahead. I, I want people to understand RICO stands for racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations. Yes. Literally, it's been used, it was created and used against the mafia and the charges were gambling, murder, kidnapping, bribery of elected officials, right? Like that's mm -hmm. historically the reason that RICO was created and to turn that statute on peaceful demonstrators and people who are using and exercising their constitutionally protected rights to dissent, like as a civil libertarian, that just fucking, oh, sorry me, that just sends me off the edge, Kamal. Like this is, this is outrageous. No, it's completely outrageous. And like you said, what they're doing is charging organizers and activists who've been involved in the cop city movement with, with racketeering charges. And what's really insidious about it is twofold. One is you have people who are charged with RICO who have not at all been involved with the Cop City movement, except that they came to a music festival and the police rounded them up. And during that roundup, the police looked at the IDs of the people uh, who were being arrested. And if you had an out-of-state ID, you were held and charged. If you had a Georgia ID, they let you go and they, and they did not prosecute or arrest you whatsoever. Again, setting up a criminalization aspect of this to claim that this was done by, uh, that this was something that was being uh, 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 led by outside agitators. In addition to that, the RICO statute itself is being, is, is, they're saying that the start of the criminal prosecution, the start of the indictment is, is when George Floyd was killed in 2020. That is when they put down in their own indictment papers the start of the criminal enterprise. So they are not claiming that the start of the and that was before any of us even knew about Cop City. We had no idea about Cop City. We were organizing against police violence and murder against George Floyd and here in Atlanta, also against Rashad Brooks, who was killed by a police officer, and of course other killings like Breonna Taylor across the country. But they, in their indictment, say the beginning of the criminal enterprise was when George Floyd was murdered. For them, that was the birth of a criminal enterprise. For and us, that, that was the continuation of a movement against police murders in our community. See, and, and they really do tip their hand uh, uh, in that indictment, don't they? Look, we're running out of time. I want to get you to respond uh, to Catherine, who's another longtime uh, viewer and listener who writes in to says, the more I hear, the more I feel we are already under fascist rule. And I want to invite you to react to that because you and I have had some conversations yeah. along uh, similar thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think America has, has, for the longest time, particularly communities in America, have always lived under a fascist dictatorship. Those communities being indigenous communities and being black communities here in the United States. Those communities were often killed. People were killed off by, again, public police, by private uh, uh, um, actors. And, and those private actors were never uh, prosecuted or faced any prison time whatsoever. Uh, to have communities who were hoarded off into jails and prisons. Um, so, so that type of fascist rule has always been the case particularly when black organizers or black leaders or black people have spoken up and tried to uh, try to fight for our rights. We've had our leaders killed. We've had our leaders imprisoned and our leaders jailed. 
That is exactly what fascism is. That is now being expanded all across this country where working class people, poor people of all races um, and ethnicities are being under, putting under the boot of fascism, whereas they are losing control of their country, they feel, um, because the country is no longer listening to the established order, whether or not that's in right-wing circles, which I am not a part of, or left-wing circles. The establishment politicians themselves are looking to control every aspect of resources and people's movements, um, and it is doing that through campaigns that bring about the idea of Cop City, and we're seeing that here locally, and we're seeing that across the board nationally, particularly how movements and organizations are now being going after, which is reminiscent of COINTELPRO in the 1960s and 70s. I mean, the Palmer Raids in the 30s, right? Like we can go down the history of this country, the, the creation myth of this country of liberty, justice, and equality has always been bullshit, right? Yeah. Uh, but what is, to me, uh, that the mask is coming off and to be very transparent and blunt, white skin will not protect you. Uh, like, like uh, welcome to being black is what I tell some folk, right? Like this is, they got something for us all. Mm -hmm. Which is why, Kamal, one of the things that, you know, you and I uh, and, and other of our comrades uh, talk about, y'all, we got to unite and fight uh, because, like, we've got to put aside our differences, uh, as George Jackson once said, famously said, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. this, like, we can save people if we do that. And if we don't, innocent people are going to continue to die and it's going to get worse. It doesn't get better, Right. That's so right. Kamal, the time has flown by and I, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting your two beautiful children and I know they out trick-or-treating and they're waiting for their daddy to come. So I'm going to let you go, but not before you could give us some concluding remarks and also what the viewers and listeners of Redneck Gone Green might do to support y'all. Look, there's a lot of work on Cop City that still remains. We're definitely in a period of, of, of real entanglement around what next to do and what next will happen. We need as much outside support as possible. Uh, we have a week of action coming up next week, which will involve everything from civil disobedience to direct action to panels to marches, um, every way and any way that people can get involved to show that we don't want this militarized police base built, particularly we don't want this militarized police base built um, in a forest that was promised to an adjacent Black community for their use. If you go to communitymovementbuilders.org, uh, if you go to our Instagram account and our Twitter account, you'll see a host of activities that people can get involved in. You'll see a host of numbers, particularly on our website, of local politicians, of elected officials, of, of corporations and developers that you can call and bother and convince them that not to get involved with Cop City and even to go find out their their addresses and to protest them um, in their places of business. So there's a lot of work that folks can do um, to help support Cop City. Look out for those Cop Cities coming to your area because we need to give you the support that you're going to need also in battling back these Cop Cities, these militarized police bases from trying to take over our cities and our countries and, and basically creating a larger web of a prison industrial complex. And I, here's my pledge to you, Kamal. If y'all get this on the ballot, uh, I want to uh, spend some of my vacation time. I'm going to come out uh, to Atlanta and uh, help support that campaign. Because for me, I want to not just make sure that 
we win our side, we uh, win at the ballot box to stop Cop City. But I want to do the kind of political education to help people see the connections between white supremacy and capitalism and militarism, right? Like, th- like this to me is we have to win the, the, the ballot initiative and we have to use it as a way to continue and deepen the education and frankly, the consciousness, right, of ordinary people to understand that we are all in this together and that they coming for us, right? Like, uh, and again, to me, uh, Kamal, uh, I, I wish that we had longer, but I do want to respect that you want to get out and trick or treat with those uh, kiddos. So I'm going to thank you for coming on to Redneck Gone Green. I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to circle back and talk about Cornell West and uh, and then just what should we be doing in this moment, right? Because you and I know we're not going to vote our way into the world that we need, That's but right. still a tactic, right? And so That's we right. have to use it effectively. So That's thank you, Kamal Franklin. Thank, thank you. you to the movement builders. And thank you to the listeners and viewers of Redneck Gone Green. I appreciate you very much. Remember, please like, share, subscribe. If you're able to make a donation uh, to be able to keep this coming. Uh, thank you to the commenters. Uh, I want to give a, a big thanks to Travis Kennedy, a Cal Poly student who stepped in and did uh, uh, some technical work because uh, Jackrabbit is not with us today. So thank you all. Be safe. Keep fighting. Peace.